New Year to all of us. Uh, might I remind us that this is the, the time of year in which many of us feel the culturally driven uh, need to spark up some new behavior in which to move us to some, out of some type of complacency, uh, like in this need to recreate ourselves or to better ourselves, get a, to become a better version of ourselves uh, in these New Year's resolutions. And I myself, uh, I love resolutions. I love sitting back and dreaming about how I can adapt and evolve and continue to try to push myself to, to be a better version by uh, like taking up a new hobby or, or a spiritual practice or a new way of eating or of drinking because you know this last uh, season lends itself to be so festive and abundant. Um, I think that there's uh, this time of the year where we kind of think about who we are and what we're doing and, and why we're doing what we're doing. I think it's generally pretty helpful, but oppositely, I think that uh, the world in which we live loves when we think that we need something else, something more or something less, maybe like a membership or a hobby, a practice, a lifestyle, a diet, some type of observation in order to be complete or to be better because that way it can monetize those desires and maybe even weaponize those desires to make us feel that we need to be something else and to be important or to be valuable uh, or to be uh, something that we feel like we need to be. And I think in order to combat this idea that we're not enough and that we need to be something else to be complete, um, I suggest that we take uh, a look at the radical practice of non-doing otherwise known as Sabbath. So in the sermon, uh, we're going to look at a brief survey of uh, Sabbath throughout the biblical narrative, starting in the Garden of Eden at the opening of Scripture and concluding with an image that we are given at the end of the Bible of the restored world and how Sabbath is tied up in all of that and what reasons maybe Sabbath is important for us today. Uh, would you pray with me? God, I pray at the beginning of this year that we are reminded um, of your Sabbath, the Sabbath that you institute and create and invite us into. God, would you open up our hearts and minds to what you have to say about this rest throughout all of Scripture? Amen. So in Genesis chapter 2, at the beginning of the Bible, uh, it is written. It says, uh, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So in the beginning of the Bible, we find this poem in which God speaks into existence the heavens and the earth. And as each of these six days of creation unfolds, God brings uh, order and creation into being. And at the culmination of this process, at the culmination of this process, on the seventh day, uh, God is said to have stopped from all of God's work and rested. So God stops from work. Uh, he blesses this day and calls it holy and ceases from all God's doing. And Sabbath is like literally 
uh, arrest or to like cease and desist from doing all of our normal doings. And we just stop and be and dwell in God's completeness as it was uh, in this narrative at the beginning of the Bible. And when I read this story, a couple of questions go through my mind. I think first of all, um, why would a God with the power to speak into existence all of the cosmos and all that dwells within the cosmos need to stop and take a break? Why would God need to take a break? And in dwelling on this, I think that, that there's no other reason than for God to set a divine precedent that this is how the world is to function and to be ordered, that the world is to observe rest and for it to be for rest not to be like in addition to good creation, but fundamentally part of this good creation and how good creation stays good. So first, God uh, takes a break. And secondly, God calls this act uh, of rest holy. God calls this act of rest holy. And the first mention of holiness in all of the biblical witness, the first mention of holiness, and holiness I think to me is a very important churchy word that we use uh, to describe certain, you know, good behaviors or what have you. Holiness or this set apartness as it was. Uh, God calls this rest holy. And it's the first mention of holiness in all the, uh, all the biblical witness. So God creates the world, he orders the world in all of its goodness and righteousness and wonder. Its crescendo or its capstone is to rest, to cease and desist and let goodness just be. So in the beginning of the Bible, God creates the cosmos and included rest as a part of its origin story. God creates Sabbath. Further on in this survey of, of Sabbath throughout scripture, uh, and possibly one of the most paramount texts in the whole of the Hebrew Bible, we find the institution of the Ten Commandments. And among these commandments, we find that, you know, we should have no God beside Yahweh, that we shouldn't misuse or misinterpret, misrepresent the name of Yahweh, and so on. Uh, yet before we get to the parts of these Ten Commandments that say that we shouldn't kill or steal or uh, lie or dishonor our mother and father, we are commanded to rest, to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And this is a callback to the Garden of Eden to continue that Sabbath rest. And I think that like just the type of God who institutes rest at face value to all people everywhere and at any time, I think is an interesting fact. Like this God commands rest. I think that's very cool. But to, to understand exactly why this God commands rest and in what context God is commanding rest is very important. So leading up to this moment, we see a brief history of the, of the children of Israel. The children of Israel had sought refuge in Egypt during a time of great famine uh, with the person of Joseph, Joseph in the technicolor uh, coat. Um, so they are with Joseph in Egypt, the children of Israel, and they are under the rule of Pharaoh. And at this point, the Pharaoh, this king of Egypt, uh, and the children of Israel had an amicable relationship. But further in the story, we see this Pharaoh uh, dies and their successor does not know Joseph or honor him and enslaved the children of Israel and demanded uh, backbreaking work day in and day out. 
They were enslaved to enhance the lives of the Egyptians, to do their work, to build the kingdom of Egypt. And as years go on, we see another figure rise up uh, in uh, the person of Moses. Moses, we know, is like the baby who gets placed in the, in the basket and fords the, the Nile River and ends up in Pharaoh's house. And as uh, Moses grows, he understands how terribly his people are being treated and hears from God uh, that he is to set his people free from uh, enslavement in Egypt to Pharaoh. And with, uh, armed with the words of like, let my people go and representing this God who calls himself I am, Moses unleashes these 10 plagues against Egypt that coordinate coincidentally with these 10 gods of Egypt in order to prove that this God who calls himself I am is greater, more powerful than Egypt, than this oppressive power that holds his people. So we get this, uh, this idea of who and what type of God, this God who calls himself I am, is in the institution of his commandments. When the children of Israel are freed into the wilderness from Egypt, Moses hears from God the laws that they are to follow. And what type of laws do they receive? Do they receive yet another command uh, from a harsh taskmaster uh, to demand obedience and uh, to be a, yet enslaved again to another person? No, the institution or the commands given by this God are to rest. To this enslaved people, once enslaved people, they are commanded by this God to rest. And not only that, these Sabbath laws that they are given uh, further in the text, they're rest laws that shaped their entire society from how they are to farm the land how they are to treat their animals, how they are to treat debts inside of their community, how they are to treat their servants, and so on. Everything about this people was shaped by institutionalized rest. So God emancipates his people from slavery and institutes Sabbath. So God creates Sabbath as a fundamental part of creation. God institutes Sabbath as a way that his people should live. And after this, uh, this enslaved people uh, goes into the wilderness and then becomes an established uh, people, after 800 years, we see that this, these people fall into complacency with God. All that God had commanded them, uh, they started to depart from, and they had gone after foreign gods and lived in abject disobedience to the God who had led them out of slavery and into the promised land. And as we looked at during Advent time uh, from like the prophet Isaiah, uh, these prophets who were messengers from God uh, were kind of rose up to speak truth to power to the kings and to the people about like what type of behaviors and lifestyles that they were sinking into. Uh, And these uh, prophets were to warn of the judgment that God was to bring. And amongst this judgment and all of the, the crimes or what have you that they had done against God, you know, being idolatry and various injustices was also a negligence to keep the Sabbath that God had instituted. So Israel departed from keeping the Sabbath more than half of the time that it existed as an independent nation. And I guess when you tally up all of those missed weeks, uh, missed days of the week over 800 years, or so, uh, it culminates or it is a sum total of 70 years. 
And it's interesting that the duration of their judgment, which was captivity by a foreign nation, the duration of their judgment was doled out in the quantity of years that they failed to keep the Sabbath. Seventy years, according to the prophet Jeremiah in Second Chronicles 36. So the children of Israel would be in captivity for the number of years that they failed to keep the Sabbath that God had instituted. So God creates uh, Sabbath as a part of, of, of good creation. God institutes Sabbath as a part of how we should conduct ourselves and live and be in the world. And God upholds Sabbath. Further along in the biblical narrative, at the opening of the Christian Bible or the New Testament, we encounter the Jewish people who had been freed from captivity years previous. They had rebuilt a nation. They'd fought in many revolts against oppressive outside powers and eventually uh, had been under Roman occupation. And it's in this context that we discover the attitudes and the people of the Pharisees uh, in, in our biblical account. And the Pharisees were the religiously pious, the, the persons who were the observant ones. They kept the laws uh, very strictly um, that Moses had given them. And they were confronted over and over again by Jesus and their religiosity. And we see this interplay happen back and forth. And I think if we understand the background and context of the Pharisees, we could understand why they had this attitude toward the Sabbath of being very religious. They know that they had been an enslaved people, a captured people, an occupied people. And according to the prophets who had come years previous, these were the judgments of God on his people for not observing justice and goodness and the observation of the Sabbath. So it's in these Pharisees that we see Jesus butt heads with time and time again. Uh, they bring up the idea that Jesus isn't observing the Sabbath. Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. He fed people on the Sabbath. He did many things in the eyes of the Pharisees that constituted a violation of the Sabbath. And in their mind, they are thinking that Jesus is going to get them in trouble again with God because he's not keeping the Sabbath as they were commanded. Yet Jesus replies to their concerns with the idea that though they're observing the Sabbath, though they're, you know, they're keeping the Sabbath really well, they're failing to recognize uh, that the Sabbath was made for human beings and not human beings for the Sabbath. So Jesus gets to the root idea of Sabbath being the true rest and the goodness and completeness of God not merely a rule to be followed, but a gift from God. Sabbath is a gift from God. So Jesus communicates um, the purpose of the Sabbath is, is rest. And he doesn't stop quite there. Jesus tells his followers that he is Sabbath rest. That he claims to be the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is, I think, the Sabbath rest in two distinct ways. First of all, in that following the way of the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed, true rest is found. Not just that, that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, in that work, he is restoring the world back to this garden that it once was and restoring humankind to right relationship with God as it was in the beginning. 
So in this response to the pharisaical attitude, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29. So in Christ, God fulfills Sabbath. So we see that God creates Sabbath as part of who we are, institutes Sabbath as how we should conduct ourselves, upholds Sabbath when it is forgotten, and also fulfills Sabbath in the person and work of Jesus Christ. At the close of the Bible, we are given this beautiful description in which God is making the world new again. And what image is used to talk about this world restored? None other than a mere image of the Garden of Eden, such as that we find in the beginning of Scripture, a place where there's no strife, no unnecessary toil or injustice or anything of the like, just a place of peace and rest restored as it was in the beginning, a place of perpetual Sabbath. So God is recreating, reestablishing Sabbath as part of good creation. So throughout scripture, Sabbath is not ignored. It's a reoccurring theme. It happens over and over again. We're challenged to look at it over and over again. And I think for this reason, the concept of Sabbath for us today is still highly relevant. Now I'll admit that like, I don't think of like ordering my week as like having, you know, this paramount rest day. I don't, I don't really think of Sabbath even that frequently, um, I'll admit. But I think that Sabbath was not abolished in the person of Jesus. It was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. We're continually invited to take part of Sabbath rest uh, here today. So firstly, in this like piece of application to kind of land the plane here, I think that first of all, Jesus is our true Sabbath. He is our true rest. All of the work of like keeping all of these laws and ordinances that are commanded to us is fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus. We're invited to like continue those things, but all of that is completed in who Jesus is. We're to trust God and that God is able to complete in us the truest version of who God dreams us to be. And we don't need to partake in this pharisaical attitude of Sabbath that we just need to keep it uh, as a rule, but we need to keep it and observe it as a gift from God. Secondly, yes, Sabbath rest was not abolished in the person of Jesus, but fulfilled in the person of Jesus. And I think that we can, can and should still practice this way of, of non-doing, of taking a break from. And we could take that break in many different ways. I think the first thing that comes to my mind is like taking a break or ceasing and desisting from this competition mentality, this hustle culture that we're uh, constantly told that we need to perform and do and be and uh, we need to make resolutions to be somebody that our culture tells us that we need to be. I think when we practice Sabbath, we stop and we cease and we recognize that the image of God is already part of and incorporated deeply in who we are. We are complete in that, that God loves us in this very moment, just the way we are. 
we can take a break from or like cease uh, and performing for other people's attention or doing those things that we think uh, will make us more validated uh, for who we are, whether it be like attempting to get like a high earning career to have that particular house, car, or image, to have that particular like body type or that particular personification of that right vibe that we need to be. We can cease and desist from trying to keep up with all of those things. And I think lastly that we can remember again that Sabbath is not a rule but a gift. We can take an actual break, may it be one day of the week or an afternoon or what have you, uh, to take an actual break from doing things, to stop from performing and doing and on top of that to not have any remorse for it because we see that uh, God creates the world. He blesses the seventh day rest and calls it holy. So may this year, may we fall back into this practice of ceasing, of non-doing, of practicing a break and understanding that is practicing holiness. Pray with me. God, we thank you that you are the type of God who creates Sabbath Institute Sabbath, invites us into taking that break as a gift from you, that you're a God who sees um, our wholeness as including rest. God, we thank you that you are that type of God. Amen.